Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Brain Buster Podcast. Today, me and Sal are joined by John Schuyler, who has been recently seen on AEW Dark, but has been working in the indies for a really long time. Uh, I believe you've done some WWE work as well, maybe some backstage stuff. Or I believe I saw you as like a security guard. Maybe I'm thinking of someone else at this point. I don't know. Kind of losing it. Uh, yeah. Uh, first of all, thanks for having me on. I'm excited to talk to you guys. Um, yeah, been just about everywhere, done about everything there is to do, done a lot with WWE, Ring of Honor, a little bit with Impact Wrestling, New Japan Pro Wrestling, and now as seen on AEW Dark. So, uh, yeah, it's been a wild ride over the last 13 years. If you compare, I'm just going to, I'm going to kick it off right immediately. If you could compare, um, the backstage environment from the stuff you've done with WWE to the stuff you've done in AEW, which would you say is more, I wouldn't say family-like, but more like you would want to stay there. Yeah. Um, so, I, I would say that, uh, you know, both of WWE and AEW locker rooms definitely have the sense of family environment. Once you're on the road with the these guys uh, and girls, you know, every day of the year almost uh, before the pandemic, obviously. Uh, just sharing a locker room with a lot of these guys, you can definitely see it's a tight-knit family. I don't think anything could ever indicate that more than just this past week losing Brody Lee, uh, Luke Harper. Um, you know, the outpouring of love from every locker room uh, has shown you just how tight-knit our community actually is and our fraternity. And uh, But to, to answer your question, um, uh, really uh, – there's a lot of, uh, it seems to be a little less stressful right now in AEW. I think they have the finger on the pulse of what's going on in terms of the empty arena shows. I know they're slowly starting to let fans back in and, uh, you know, working in front of limited audiences here and there. Uh, and it just seems to be, you know, a little less of the walking around on eggshells. I think a lot of people show up and they're happy to be at work. Not to say that people aren't happy to be at work when they go to WWE. Uh, you know, both places obviously have their um, positives. And, uh, you know, just like anywhere else, both places are going to have their negatives too. But, uh, you know, I can only speak, um, you know, uh, because of recent times, I can only speak of my personal experience. Uh, and the last seven months have been all AEW for me. So that's really what, my barometer is to go by so obviously i'm going to say aew right now just because that's the locker room i'm kind of immersed in right now so so um so from my research because around here i'm the one that actually does the the research when it comes to realistic questions about the career and aiden rather does the fantasy because he's better at it but but um so so from what I've seen, a young you were you're only sorry my, my um so you did be back in 2008. So you kind of started growing in popularity and and were wrestling as I know for me as as a fan as I began to appreciate wrestling uh, with with matches against people who we've against someone who we've talked to in Nathan Cruz um names in the industry like Reed or well-known names in the industry like Reed Flair, Kyle O'Reilly, and El Ligero. So, uh, who, who out of the, anyone that you have competed against in the ring was your favorite opponent? Oh, man. That's such a loaded question, and the answer always changes. I think one of the best matches that I ever had that really was a turning point in my career was a match I had in Charlotte, North Carolina for the promotion PWX. 
against Johnny Gargano. Um, that was a match, uh, and people can still find it on YouTube, and I encourage people to go and watch it. Uh, that was a match, a learning lesson for me. And, uh, you know, being in the ring with somebody that caliber of a performer in Gargano really helped me uh, learn. Uh, but, you know, I don't know if I could really, you know, I've been in the ring with a lot of people. Uh, you know, I remember having a lot of pressure on me when I wrestled people like Cody Rhodes for the first time because I was out to prove a point to uh, show that, you know, I belong on television and I belong uh, in the elite um, caliber or group of uh, performers in our sport. Um, you know, so that was, you know, that was a high pressure situation for me. And then, you know, other little fun things I've got to do is like I did a dark match against Kane one time before SmackDown. And that was kind of surreal just because never in a million years that I ever think I'd find myself in the ring with Kane. Um, and, you know, just things like that, they all vary in experience and, and everything like that. But I would definitely say the one that really ranks high up there for me is the one with Johnny Gargano. I was going to ask this earlier on, but I thought I'd save it for a bit later. What was the environment like uh, this past week on Dynamite for the Brody Lee uh, show, honoring Brody Lee? Uh, well, like I said earlier, Brody was universally loved by everybody. You know, I actually am uh, good friends, and he's a mentor of mine, of Kevin Kelly. And Kevin Kelly was around in the WWE days when Owen passed. And Kevin kind of likened it to that where, you know, nobody had a bad word to say about Owen. Nobody really has a bad word to say about Brody. I don't think anybody could ever say anything bad about Brody Lee. And when you lose somebody like that that's so universally loved in your community and in your brotherhood and in your business and yada, 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 you know, it, it is tough. It was tough for everybody. It's definitely one of the toughest shows I've ever had to sit through or get through. And, I, you know, obviously wasn't even able to wrestle because I'm still not medically cleared. But just being there and, and trying to just get through the day was just such a tough, tough thing. And I'm so proud of what the locker room did. I'm so proud to be a, a small part of that company, uh, AEW, right now uh, for the for not only the performances from the athletes uh, and the wrestlers, but just overall the show was just such a beautiful tribute show. And I don't think it's fair to con uh, compare tribute shows. I, I think that's a little distasteful. But you know, I, it was such a such a beautiful beautiful tribute show i don't think anybody could have done any better than what aew put on last wednesday but uh the circumstances obviously you know i wish were better but it was a it was in a weird way it was so therapeutic to be there with all my brothers and sisters uh and and be a part of that locker room on that night so you are a very accomplished wrestler for the fact that you are i believe you are only 33. You're very accomplished competitor, especially within um, Resistance Pro and yeah, within Resistance Pro, uh, Wrestle Force, PWX, and Champions Attitude, as well as several awards from the from, from the Carolina Independent Wrestling Scene, like Rookie of the Year, Feud of the Year with Josh Magnum, and Feud of the Year with Bob Kelly, Bob Kelly in 09 and 10, and the 2009 Rookie of the Year. So, like, what, what, were, what was the feeling of being awarded with, with those accolades so early in your, in, your, in your career? I definitely think they mean more earlier in your career <laughs> than when you get later in your career. Because now, you know, I, first of all, that 
sounds bad. Let me go ahead, go back and say it's always an honor to even be nominated for any kind of award, no matter where it comes from, whether it's a, a magazine or a, a podcast uh, or just being recognized by your local independent scene. It's always an honor to be recognized or even nominated for awards in your job. I mean, this is the sport that I've tried to perfect and craft to the best of my ability. So when I get even nominated, it's kind of a pat on the back of, Hey, I'm doing something right. Uh, but early on in my, in my career, it definitely meant a lot. Um, you know, because it told me that I was on the right, uh, trajectory, uh, to have a successful career, you know, nowadays, um, you know, I've, I've won wrestler of the year a handful of times from Carolina independent wrestling. Um, you know, and, it's always it's always a, a, a nice pat on the back, but uh, you know it just also shows that you're being recognized not only by your peers but a lot of the fans out there, um, and it's always highly motivating. And anybody that tells you any different, or if anybody says that those awards or any kind of award or accolade doesn't mean anything in our sport, then they're they're lot they're they're in the wrong business. They they don't know what they're talking about. When would you say that you started watching wrestling and you knew that that was what you wanted to do with your life? Uh, so I started watching really young. I don't even really remember the first time I actually saw wrestling, but I remember really getting hooked on it at the early stages of Monday Night Raw. There was a scene, uh, they started the show where Shawn Michaels was being interviewed out front of the Manhattan Center. And he looked all cool, he had his mullet, his sunglasses, and his real tight t-shirt and everything. And he was just so cool. And he was feuding with Mr. Perfect at the time over the intercontinental championship. And Mr. Perfect just out of nowhere off camera just comes in and just blasts Sean. And they start fighting in the streets of uh, New York city. And Mr. Perfect takes Sean and throws him through the windshield of a car. Like it was just madness. It was chaos. It was awesome. And that was the time I really got hooked on wrestling. And then fast forward to like 1996, uh, the, the Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, Iron Man match, uh, just kind of the buildup for that um, uh, with the training montages and, and, you know, Bret was running through the mountains of Canada. Shawn was training in his gym in, in Texas and was just telling the story about being a boy and wanting to be the World Wrestling Federation champion. And, you know, it was just all really hit home for me. And then the match was amazing. And Shawn wins the title for the first time. So. It was just a. It was the right thing for me as a kid to see because I think that was probably the time where I was like, you know what? Yeah, I think that's going to be my dream too. I think I want to be a pro wrestler. I want to be in the the WWF at the time, now WWE, and you know, I, I want to be the champion. Like, so I vicariously kind of was living through Shawn Michaels and him winning the title, and that's kind of what always motivated with motivated me and stuck with me, and really was the reason that I decided to chase this uh, crazy wrestling dream to begin with so from what i've gathered from from your telling of your beginning of your love for pro wrestling sean michaels seems to have been a huge influence on your as he is with, with most with most wrestlers nowadays but besides sean putting sean aside as a fellow HBK fan, who would you say really inspired? Who was like the the one person that the one wrestler that you like always loved besides Shawn Michaels, as we've said previously? Whew, that's a hard one too, man. Um, 
I know a big one for me. Uh, is it okay to give you a couple? Um, yeah, name we... as many. Okay. Uh, big Eddie Guerrero fan. Uh, I was heartbroken when Eddie passed. Uh, um, uh, Mr. Perfect, as previously mentioned. Bret Hart, as previously mentioned. Uh, big fan of Arn Anderson. Um, uh, and then another one, ironically enough, I get to see him on a regular basis now, which is really cool, is Chris Jericho. Uh, I Really, when I was first starting out as an independent wrestler, uh, I read Jericho's book. Um, uh, I read how he traveled the world, gained experience, uh, kept a list of his matches, and I just wanted to be... I don't want to say I wanted to be like Chris, but I wanted to have the career that Chris had where you could travel the world and uh, gain all this experience doing the job that you love uh, pro wrestling. And, you know, I wanted to be able to keep that list of matches. And thankfully enough, I still have the list of matches written down uh, today. Um, and I've gotten to travel the world and gain a lot of experience and got really good at what I do. Uh, and so right now, you know, will I ever be as good as Chris? Maybe, maybe not. Uh, you know, will I accomplish the things that Chris accomplished? Probably not. But, uh, you know, he's always been a tremendous influence on me and somebody that I've always looked up to even from day one. Well, you mentioned Orrin Anderson and Chris Jericho in there a lot. What is it like working with them on a regular basis in AEW as like do they teach you anything a lot or is it just like mind-blowing to you I know I don't remember who said it uh someone said it on social media one time that they were working with their idol in AEW and it was just like mind-blowing to them uh well what would you say it's like working and training with Arn Anderson and Chris Jericho on a regular basis uh it's awesome first of all um before I actually uh got the opportunity with AEW. I was actually working out with Arn a little bit in the ring in Charlotte, North Carolina, um, at a training school there. I was able to listen to Arn, pick his brain. Um, and that's become a reoccurring thing. And just having the seal of approval from Arn Anderson, somebody that I always looked up to, even from a, he was the first wrestler I ever saw wrestle live, uh, in, in 1993 when I was becoming a huge fanatic and he's high, highly regarded as, being one of the best of all time for him to tell me that I'm a great wrestler that carries a lot of weight in my opinion and it gives me a lot of confidence because I've had a lot of people in my career tell tell me you know that I would never make it that I was too small that I was too this I'm too that I was you know not flashy enough or whatever the case may be and Arn the first time Arn saw me wrestle uh at the school he said well you got a fan in me so just to hear that is you know that's going to stick with me for a very long time uh, so, yeah, it's mind-blowing. And then uh, being able to pick Chris's brain is is, is amazing as well. Uh, I, I don't know how close you guys follow me on social media, but I recently just released a, a vignette for my return on midnight, uh, New Year's Eve. Uh, it's something I've been teasing for a while. It's something that I had done on my own dime, on my own time. I, I, I wrote it a week after knee surgery and uh, trying to think of a, something I could do to really make an impact upon returning. Uh, I sent Chris the video and Chris watched it and uh, he texted me not too long after and just said, Hey, this is really good. Uh, I think there's something to build off of here. And, you know, again, just knowing how Chris is because, uh, you know, Chris, if you guys think back whenever he was returning or debuting, he always did something a little bit different and he would always have something uh, impactful upon his arrival or a return or whatever. He would always, have the coolest like teasers and vignettes. 
So um, for him to kind of tell me that that was cool and that he really liked what I put together, again, I mean, it's, it's mind-blowing. It means that, you know, somewhere deep down inside me uh, or it, maybe in my brain somewhere that I'm, you know, I have a, I have a knack for, for pro wrestling or, you know, my idols and my heroes are telling me that I'm actually pretty good at what I do. So uh, I guess the one word that I continue to repeat over and over again is mind-blowing. It's absolutely mind-blowing. Well, you brought up the uh, the Chris Jericho returns, and it's just very off topic, but I think it was like 2010, maybe 12, he had those vignettes with like the kids on the playground. That was one of the best vignettes I've ever seen because it twisted my mind in a way that I didn't know it was Jericho. And when I watched your video when you released it, I think I watched it maybe a few hours later um, because I just happened to log on at that time. At first, I was very surprised because normally when you see like a... Uh, independent wrestler post a vignette like that it's very like not well done very like just put together like clips and when I saw it I was actually very shocked because it reminded me of the WB13 trailer I think it was with CM Punk where he's on the podium and he's like talking to the people it reminded me of that but in like a COVID way with like no people there and I thought it was just really good I thought it was mind-blowing thanks man uh yeah like I said I wrote it um a week after my knee surgery because I was sitting at home and you're thinking to yourself, okay, well, I've got six to nine months to come up with something now because I'm not going to be able to do anything for six to nine months. It's the middle of a worldwide shutdown or a global, yeah, a, a worldwide shutdown. Uh, um, you know, what am I going to do? And you start getting down on yourself. Uh, you start doubting your confidence. So I literally pulled out a notebook. I got it right here beside me right now a green notebook, a spiral notebook where I started writing down ideas. And then for the ideas that I came up with, I started writing the promos. And then this was the one that actually stuck. Uh, and I started envisioning it in my head, how it was going to look. And a little inside fact for you guys, a little exclusive for your show. Um, originally I wanted to release it around the election because the election was, uh, such a, such a topic of conversation, obviously as it's going to be. And I'm not trying to get too political, but uh, I was going to uh, almost release it as like an election speech. Like, you know, I should be the guy that is the new leader of this, uh, of this world, of this country, of this business, of whatever. Uh, and I just ran out of time. Uh, and so then I started thinking a little bit longer and harder and I was like, well, everybody's harping on 2020, what a miserable year it's been. And I just feel like there was something to play off of there. But, uh, yeah, you're, uh, you're exactly right. And, in, in the in the Jericho vignette was was well done when he came back and I, I know exactly what you're talking about with the kids and the empty classroom and uh, just really weird uh, like little girls speaking and uh, like the end of days are upon us like it was it was kind of cool uh, and uh, you're also right in the set in the fact that a lot of guys that are on the independents uh, do not produce very well done videos or vignettes. Um, that's why I went out and I paid a camera crew. I picked a team of guys and I'm going to go ahead and give them a shout out. Patrick Price, Brad Wilson, and uh, Quentin are the guys that um, shot that and, and helped me shoot that. And uh, they deserve just as much as just as much credit, if not more than I do for filming it and editing it and helping me put together uh, and also making my, uh, kind of vision come to life. And they threw out ideas too. And I was very open to them because a lot of their ideas were really, really good. Uh, so I got to thank all those guys. 
Well, you talked about how you'd say right now, currently, you would be in AEW. If you could be in a tag team, because AEW, I've noticed that they love putting people in tag teams, which I understand because they really want to build off the tag division. If you were put into a tag team for AEW, who would your tag team partner be? Uh, well, <clears throat> so hmm, that's a good question. Uh, and I'm also, I'm also going to spin it on you. Uh, I would pick two partners. I would pick Dax Harwood and Cash Wheeler. <laughs> uh, one, they're the best tag team in the world. Uh, two, we're all Carolina boys, and we've been close friends for a long time. And yes, AEW right now, there are a lot of great tag teams. There's also a lot of stables, too, a lot of factions. Uh, and I don't see why you know the three of us wouldn't make a hell of a trio uh, along with Tully and uh, you know, whoever else, but, uh, so that would be my number one pick. If I had to pick one partner, hmm, let me think, uh, 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 just cause he's a hero of mine and he's influenced my career so much. I'll say Chris Jericho. Well, then I'm also going to follow that up with, if you, I asked, I've asked everyone this and they've all had really different answers. What would your dream faction be? So if you could build like the inner circle, one of the top groups in the entire company, who would be in that group? Okay. Uh, we would have to go. How many, how many picks do I have here? I'll say five. That's how many are in the inner circle, I believe. Okay. And do I have to include myself or is this just, uh, uh, no, you can, you can include, you don't have to include yourself in that five. Okay, uh, we'll go. Uh, I'm gonna pick and pull from a little bit of different groups and stables here. I would go. Uh, I would go Chris Jericho because he's such a great leader for the inner circle. I would go Ricky Starks because I think he's a standout in Team Taz. Uh, I would go FTR because you need a great tag team, and then you also need a great manager. And I think the at the top of my managers list would be Arn Anderson just because of what he's done for Cody's career. Um, now, if I get one more pick, so that's four wrestlers and a manager, you need a big, you need a big guy too, somewhere in there. Um, so let me think you look up and down the roster at all the big guys that are in AEW and there's a ton of them, but you also want somebody with some youth on their side. So I would go, um, uh, maybe Wardlow as, uh, as my heater. So that would be my group right there. When you said big guy, for, for some reason, uh, the first person that came to my mind was Brian Cage, which I also think would kind of fit into that group as well with Wardlow. That group doesn't sound too bad. I, I've heard way worse groups, but that that actually sounds like something you would see on TV. So, Cody, if you're listening, what, why <laughs> why is he not on the creative team? <laughs> or do we, they uh, need it the most, but... Yeah, uh, and again, all the factions right now are doing... I think uh, all the factions are... They all have their own unique uh, kind of, I would uh, like collective character. Like every faction is a little bit different from the other. Uh, and I think that almost it, it makes for a cool dynamic for a wrestling show because it's almost like uh, the show Boardwalk Empire where, you know, there's all the characters are completely different. But for some reason, they all fit within the, the storyline in their own unique way of the show. Uh, they fit in that, in that world that they've created for the show. And, uh, I think AEW is kind of the same way. I mean, you've got Jurassic express, you know, you got a guy that's literally dressed up like a dinosaur and then you have the inner circle that, 
is a mix of comedy and, and, and a little bit of seriousness. And then you have the best friends and orange Cassidy and they, they have their own unique feel to them. And then team Taz, uh, a little bit more serious. So, um, and, and then the dark order, uh, you know, everybody's got their own unique little, uh, twist to them. And it kind of comes together in a nice little package, which makes a great television show. I've heard a lot of stories about how it's hard to come up with a character, so to say for your, uh, for you when you start wrestling, but your character is the Southern Savior, which I like to say is like Messiah Rollins mixed with Hangman Adam Page in a way, if you know where I'm going with that. Where would you say you came up with that that character when you were trying to find a new persona? So let me take you back to when I first got started. I was doing more of the comedy stuff. I kind of wanted to be like uh, almost like that again going back to, to Jericho like the stuff that he did in WCW uh, I kind of wanted it to be like that a little bit of haha but a, a heel that could go out there and make people laugh but get his ass kicked pretty much um, and so that's kind of what I started out as and I went by the new sensation John Schuyler and because I was a rookie uh, well there comes a time when you're not new anymore you're just another one of the wrestlers on the show after a couple of years. So I already, even back then, was starting to think about ways I could reinvent myself. And I really was always a big fan of the movie Fight Club. Uh, and I don't know if you guys have seen that or not, but there's a character, Brad Pitt's character, named Tyler Durden. And Tyler Durden creates Project Mayhem. So he convinces all these people, to uh, all, all these men, to, to, to fight with him and fight each other. But they're really fighting the world, and they're going to destroy the world to create something greater uh that always struck uh, struck a chord with me so that was a little bit of the inspiration the tyler durden character from fight club and then a little bit of david koresh uh which is real life you know from waco texas he had his branch davidians uh you know group and there was so much chaos that they wreaked in um you know in waco texas uh so I was trying to think of ways because you don't always want to pull from wrestling when you're coming up with ideas because a lot of the stuff in wrestling has already been done before. Uh, just like you said, even this, you, you compared it to Hangman Page and a little bit of Seth Rollins. So yeah, right then and there, you're already comparing it to something else in wrestling. So I was trying to think outside the box just a little bit and think of an idea that was not wrestling based. I was trying to pull from movies, music, uh, you know, pop culture, uh, real life news, uh, you know, things like that. So people couldn't relate, relate it right away to something from wrestling. But that's really how, uh, that was really the inspiration behind it because I knew, uh, if I wanted to be taken seriously, I had to get away from the comedy stuff. And, um, you know, thankfully the Southern savior thing has stuck for the last eight, nine years, maybe. And even within that name, I still reinvent myself. I find ways to reinvent myself. And now with the 2021 launch, of, of the campaign that I've been, you know, teasing is, uh, it's another reinvention for me because now it's now, uh, I think I'm, uh, more topical than ever before. It's relevant. It's real life. It's what we're going through right now as a world. And so I think that makes me, uh, a little bit different. And I think it makes me, uh, relevant to the times right now. Hope all that makes sense. Yeah, it makes total sense. I was, gonna say we're referencing seth rollins you you've been doing the the savior gimmick a lot longer than he has so some would say you could potentially turn that to say 
you were the original savior um and not him but he was just the first person that came to my mind when i thought of savior um besides you so i had to like throw him in there as like a reference Mm -hmm. yeah and he did great with the and he still does great with it uh i think that was right with that's the exact thing that seth needed at the time uh uh, did he steal it from me? I won't say that at all. I'm sure I probably wasn't the first one to do it either. Uh, you know, like I said, wrestling is such a has been around so long. Everything's been done. Everything's been rehashed. Um, but uh, yeah, I, you know, like I said, I've been doing it eight nine years, uh, and Seth is amazing at it as well. Um, I just wish they would commit to it a little bit more in terms of giving it some time to either. Uh, you know, pass or fail. Uh, I feel like sometimes they're so quick uh, at WWE to change things. And, you know, that's not a bad thing either. But, you know, I feel like they, you really can't tell if something is working or not unless you give it a little bit of time. So you said you've been almost everywhere. What's one promotion that you haven't been to yet that you want to go to? Let's say, I'm not going to say before you retire. I was going to say the end of the year, but that doesn't seem realistic at this point with the pandemic um so i had the opportunity to do one of the new japan pro wrestling tours here in the states but i've never done one in japan so i've been you know i've been to asia i've wrestled in asia i wrestled in singapore hong kong china uh never got the chance to wrestle in japan so i would always that's always been a bucket list place for me to go uh and i would obviously like it to be for new japan in japan uh, so that's kind of at the top of my list. And then in terms of independent promotions, things are a little bit weird right now because of the pandemic. There's not a lot of indep- uh, independent promotions that are running, uh, you know, like they full force like they used to. Uh, but uh, AAW in Chicago is one place I've always wanted to go. It's got a lot of buzz. I've always heard about it. Um, and, you know, PWG would be great, too, because I've never gotten the chance to wrestle in California. And. You know, obviously, PWG has always had a lot of buzz. A lot of the guys that are in the AEW locker room right now came from PWG. Uh, so that's a big one as well. And then, obviously, WWE or AEW full-time. <laughs> so, okay, so I have I feel like I should ask this. Your thoughts on Peter Avalon? Thoughts on Peter Avalon? I love uh, Peter's a great guy, and I think... Uh, uh, if you followed AEW Dart recently, I think the pretty Peter Avalon gimmick is going to fit him a lot better than the librarian did. But he was also he was great at the librarian as well. Um, I haven't known Peter too too long, but uh, you know he's somebody that is constantly constantly trying to think of ideas of what's the next thing that he's going to do. What's the next thing? Okay, after this, then what? After this, then what? And that's the tall tale sign not only of a professional but somebody that has the tendency. They, they want to stick around for a while. And that's how you always want to, I was always told by Chris Hero that your number one job in wrestling is to keep a job. Um, that's it. Your, your number one job is to keep a job as a wrestler. And people like that keep jobs if they're always asking what's next. So I have to commend them for that. Sal, I just have to say this. You're like the biggest Peter Avalon mark ever. No matter what we do, you always have to bring Peter Avalon into it. Anyways... You talked about how music and movies inspired your uh, Southern Savior character. What would you say if you could be in, let's say, any movie, what movie would you put yourself in and what role? Oh, man. Uh, 
I just recently saw the movie The Gentleman for the first time with Matthew McConaughey and Hugh Grant and uh, uh, gosh, I'm the uh, Colin Farrell. There's a bunch of people in the movie. Uh, I would definitely probably put myself in the role of uh, Matthew McConaughey just because he's uh, he is this completely laid back, just badass that has all this money and a hot wife and he has all these great one liners and uh, he cuts great promos, you know, all these cool things. If you haven't seen the movie yet, I'd suggest that you guys go out and watch it. It's called the gentleman. Uh, probably him uh, just because that character again is another one that kind of just resonates with me uh, in a weird way. Uh, there's so much depth to it. Uh, he can be funny. He can be serious and uh, you know, he can be a badass. He can be whatever. Okay, so hold up. In my defense, I, okay, so going back to to Peter because so I followed his career since 2010, and the the pretty pretty gimmick is it, it's it's great. It's great how he's evolved it from how it was back in. What are you doing? And also, yes, I am I am Peter Avalon Mark. But um, okay, so back to back to you. So so you said you've never. So, so what? So, what are some of so the top five of the five places that you would want to visit as as a, as a rest? Sorry, can you repeat that again? Five places that you would want to visit as a professional wrestler. Five five places yeah. I'd want to visit as a professional. Yeah, wrestler. like states or countries. Uh, like I said already, Japan uh, as a, as a wrestler would be great. Uh. Um, I've always wanted to go up the West coast of the United States. So I would like to wrestle maybe somewhere in California. Um, um, maybe somewhere in Oregon, like Portland, cause Portland's a famous, uh, it's got a lot of wrestling history for the old Portland territory with Don Owens. Uh, so let's see Japan. Number one, uh, we'll say, uh, San Francisco, California, number two, uh, Portland, Oregon, number three. Uh, let me think here. Always wanted to go to Switzerland. I always thought Switzerland would be cool. I don't know how much wrestling there is in Switzerland. Hopefully there's something there. Uh, so I would say maybe Switzerland. And then, uh, let me think, let me think. I, I just saw where a lot of guys are starting to train now in, in Egypt. So it would be cool to go to Egypt. So there you go. Japan, California, Oregon, Switzerland, and, and Egypt. Out of everyone in the wrestling world that we have lost over the years, who was one person that, as a new fan or as a, uh, what's the right word, as a, a child watching wrestling, you think, I want to wrestle them, but they've sadly passed since then, who would that be? Uh, well, I, that's going to be hard to say. There's two at the top of my list, and I can't put one over the other. Uh, Mr. Perfect uh, and Eddie Guerrero. Um both of those guys were two of my absolute favorites growing up. And, uh, you know, I think given the times now uh, where I'm at in my career, I think I would have had great matches with both of them if they were in their prime or still around. Uh, you know, it's hard to say because now if they were still around, they probably their careers would probably be winding down or in Perfect's case, it, was probably, it would probably be over at this point. But uh, th those would be the two, uh, Mr. Perfect and Eddie Guerrero. And again, I can't really put one ahead of the other, uh, you know, just because I can't. Um, but those are the two that top my list. 
because every night, you know, Eddie would strive and almost challenge guys and, and in the ring. Uh, and it's hard to it's hard to put it into words when I say challenge guys, but you know, Eddie would bring his stuff and he would make you work for whatever you got. And I always thought that, that was really admirable. And you know, he always was a professional and had some of the best matches on the card uh, and was at one time probably the greatest worker in the world. Uh, so Eddie and, and then in Mr. Perfect's case, you know, he was just a bumping machine and, you know, he could make anybody look good. And, uh, you know, again, both guys were just always highly regarded as, you know, two of the greatest intercontinental champions of all time. Uh, they're two hall of famers and, you know, sadly I'll never get the chance to step in the ring with either one of them. Well, Mr. Skyler, we want to thank you for joining us on the Brain Buster podcast. It was a definitely a very interesting one. I, a lot of things I don't think a lot of people knew, um, especially the backstory behind your recent promo, which was very interesting to hear. Um, we are releasing a playlist on our YouTube, as we do for all of our guests. So if you don't know who John Skyler is, you can head over to that playlist. And there's loads, almost 30 matches Um free and available just click the link and it'll take you to a playlist where you guys can sit there and binge watch a whole bunch of john skyler and learn more about him um we hope you guys did like um if you did leave a comment down below on what you thought and we will see you guys next time peace if you guys didn't know already the merch is out right now you guys can go to the link down in the description of this podcast and you can buy your free well, it's not free. I don't know what I'm talking about. It's $9.95. Just kidding. I wish. But if the merch is available, go down to the link of the descri- link in the description of this podcast. You can find the link to the merch site. Go there. Click it. Bye now. And we'll see you guys next time. Enjoy. Peace.